Easy World, Easy World is your man, Aunt Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And it is another episode of Keeping the Towel. Thank you so much for tuning in and rocking and vibing with me as always. And yeah, y'all, we are back at this again. And I'm grateful to have you in the mix with me. And y'all, you already know what this is, man. We are not anywhere else but in Boogie Sparring Gym. And yeah, I am your coach. I am your trainer, Aunt Boogie. And welcome, welcome, welcome. And y'all, yeah. As you know, once you're in the sparring gym, that means Boogie got somebody here with me. And folks, I'm back at this. The Why I Kept My Towel Father's Day edition. And I got a chance to go and talk to some fathers. And they're going to speak to you about their journeys of fatherhood. And I'm telling you, this is raw. So get ready to hear it, y'all. So I got an incredible man here, man. He traveled all the way from Florida to go ahead and have a good sparring session with me. Ladies and gentlemen, let me go ahead and bring him out to you. Mr. Scott Maffei. Scott Maffei, are you in the building, sir? I am in the building. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to have our sparring session with Mr. Maffei. We're going to get a chance to hear his story about his upbringing and his journey into fatherhood. So... Ladies, if you got a man in the building, tell them to go ahead and gather around. Fellas, if you got your boys, you got anybody, bring them around so they can go ahead and listen to this. It's going to be a good one. So, Scott, here's what I need you to do. Make sure you come out your locker room and get to the corner. Folks, go ahead and grab a chair, sit around, and enjoy this one. And I'm going to need you to make your way to the ring, Scott, because you go ahead and get your instructions. And I need you to go ahead, get your mouthpiece in your mouth, go ahead and get your gloves on. Join me at the center of the ring. It is Scott and Aunt Boogie. We are now touching gloves to go ahead and start this sparring session. And ladies and gentlemen, the round has started. Let's get into it. So Scott, let's take a step into the time machine and let us know where it all started for you. First of all, all this talks about gyms and, and sparring rings. I'm going to be sore as hell tomorrow. Okay. So you, you didn't prepare me for a full workout, but here we are. Uh, my legs are cramping up. I'm going to need to eat some bananas, some oranges, but, uh, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I haven't worked out in about 20 years due to other prior commitments, but today I'm doing it anyway. You know, I'm 42 years old, and like a lot of dads, my pullout game was weak. You know, had uh, had my firstborn, my pride and joy, my son when I was 20, 20 years old. So he's uh, do the math. He's 21 now. Uh, then, to to save the relationship after after the kid was born, about three years, uh, my ex-wife and I got married uh, to save the relationship. And then that the things were going downhill, so we're like, you know what? Let's have another baby. My daughter was born a couple years later. Uh, she's now 16 years old, uh, so they're five years apart. That didn't work out uh, naturally. Uh, we're doing all these steps to save the relationship that are not healthy. You know, counseling would have been a good thing, but uh, no, we're just going to go to the baby making and marriage. So uh, then I did my first two-year stint as a single dad. Uh, and then, you know, do uh, per the proverbial bed, if you will, uh, with the next girl that uh, batted her eyelashes at me. And, uh, you know, things weren't working well. Uh, she left me. Then we got back together. And I said, you know what's going to save this whole thing? Let's have another child. Let's have a child together. So that brings in my third child, who is now nine years old. And uh, so my, my kids right now are 21, 16, and nine. 
And, uh, you know, that relationship did not work out, surprise to, uh, to no one. And so then I did my second two-year stint as a single parent. So uh, if you're doing the math, three kids, and um, technically I have legal full custody over my 21 and 16-year-old, but my 21 has moved out and out of the house. You know, he's on his own. Uh, but my 16-year-old does live with her mom because as things progressed in life, her mom got her S together and uh, we thought that it would be best for her to be with her mom. And then my youngest uh, split 50-50 with her mom. So uh, we have great co-parenting. My, my, my wife now is one miracle away from sainthood. She's very involved with the kids and and also the relation with the moms, you know, because it takes a village. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to have the village. Uh, it's just more love for the kids. So get lots of grandparents, lots of parents, and uh, you know everybody gets along, and it's a good, uh, it's a good, it's a good working thing. Before all that, before the kids came, who is Scott? Where does Scott come from? So Scott was born and raised right here in Central Florida, beautiful Central Florida. Uh, I've been wanting to entertain people since I, you know, since I was a kid. Uh, my parents would go out to dinner and all that, hire a babysitter, and uh, my sister and I would put on shows. Uh, we just make them up as we went, and we would put on these variety shows. Improv. Sometimes they had a theme. Sometimes it was just nonsense, most nonsense. And uh, I got involved in community theater, theater in my high school. Uh, but then I also played sports. I was very well rounded. You know, equal equal input from both parents. My mom had me into the the performing arts, and my dad had me into sports. So I lettered in uh, cross country and basketball in high school, and then also did uh, did drama and chorus. Uh, but but my big passion is entertaining people. Uh, I, I I love the sound of my voice, a face for radio and podcasting. And uh, you know this is uh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Supposed to be entertaining people. My first real job, I drove the Jaws boats at Universal Studios. Really? So did that for a couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, and then worked at the old King Kong. Worked my way up at Universal Studios. I was uh, an attractions manager at Universal Studios, and then went over to SeaWorld where I was an attractions manager and guest services manager. And then uh, I left the theme park industry and got into the restaurant industry where I was a general manager at a couple uh, corporate barbecue chains, uh, mostly on the East Coast of the United States. And uh, I don't know why I did that, but um, general manager at a couple very large family entertainment centers here in Orlando. And now, uh, now I work for the mouse. Wow. So I'm back in the theme park industry. Scott, as you knew about your life, because you said, hey, look, I'm going to entertain people. And of course, normally we go ahead, we meet someone and you try this. Hey, my name is Scott. Your name is blah. And then you try something to work. When you got the word the very first time, I'm pregnant. What went through my, your head? Well, my first thought is I need to hire a really good lawyer and sue the hell out of Mountain Dew because all these things that I heard about <laughs> Mountain Dew reducing the sperm count was BS. So uh, I was brought up Catholic, so very strong Catholic upbringing. And I was like, oh, my, my, my parents are going to kill me. My dad's going to kill me. Uh, my mom's going to be excited about uh, grandkids, but my dad's going to kill me. And, and they're, uh, gosh, at the time they were, so this is 2000, so they were 50. So pretty young. Um, yeah, now, nowadays, not really. I mean, yeah. you've got grandparents in their 40s now. Yeah. But uh, at the time, you know, very young grandparents. Yeah, grandparents but, in their 30s. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, next thing you know, we're going to Netflix is going to put out uh, 16 and a grandparent. Right. Um, I don't know how that would work, but, yeah. you know, uh, someone will figure it out. Mm -hmm. But uh, I didn't I didn't tell them. Um, it, it, honestly, as bad as this sounds, I, this is, this sounds horrible. I'm going to hell for this, but, uh, we were hoping for a miscarriage. 
really? you know, at 20 years old, uh, not ready to be parents. You know, we're kids ourselves. I mean, legally we're adults, but we're kids. So that didn't happen. And we got to like the five month mark and we're like, you know, you're, we're going to have to tell your parents and <laughs> somehow. So because, because we work, we worked in an environment where we both worked at universal at the time and my ex from high school, whatever worked there and she started drama. So she knew that my ex-wife was pregnant. So she tells my sister, she tells my sister, Hey, you know, Scott and his girl, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're knocked up. So my sister is like so distraught about it. She's in high school at the time. So she tells my aunt. So my, my parents didn't get to hear it from me, but I get a call at work one day and he's like, Hey, you guys need to come over tonight. I think we need to talk. And this you know, it, 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 that's never good. You know, we didn't live there. And uh, so we knew what was coming. So wait, so this is your dad who said you need to come by the crib quick. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Now, it, oh yeah, I was I, I would shricks the rest of the day. <laughs> so, you know, he we get there and he, you know he's like, first of all, I can't believe you got lost. Uh, you know that's that's pretty effed up. Mm. And then he says, I think you should I think you should consider adoption because you know you guys are not you know you are not financially stable. This is not a good situation. And and look, we it, not only were we not financially stable, but there was no secret that like our relationship was not fantastic. Uh, at all so we're like well that's not going to happen because now we're now we're now we're in it now we're excited about it we're watching the baby story on tlc we're we're excited about this we're ready to be parents so hugs were exchanged and all that you know they're like we love you blah 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 so my dad leaves the room and I, and i don't think my dad knows this to this day my mom gets so excited She's like, I saved all your baby clothes for all this, you know, all this time. I've got all this and we can get a crib and put, put it here. You guys can move back in here. She was so excited, but she didn't want to tell my dad that. So that made it a little bit easier because I got that validation from one parent that like, hey, everything's everything's cool. And, uh, you know, my pa- I, I would get through early part of parenthood and especially my two cents as a single parent without my parents and and without my sister and, and all of their support because I was literally on my own and they stepped in quite a bit to to help me and to bail me out. I mean, I worked in the theme park. So, you know, I didn't have a Monday through Friday nine to five job. Daycares weren't open on the weekends or or late nights when I was working. So, you know, they were a huge help and, and got me through all that. You get the call, get to the hospital. I'm about to pop. So now you get to the hospital. You rush over to the hospital, however. And then here it is. This bouncing baby boy is presented to you in your arms, in your hands. Scott, what goes through your head that now still young Scott has this little kid in his hands? What goes through your mind at that moment? Listen, the way the, the way you set up that hypothetical, I wish that was the way that everything played out. But not even close. Uh, so first of all, she was two weeks late. So that's an extra two weeks of hell that uh, that we had to go through, you know, with the cravings and the cramps and the contractions and all that. So two weeks late. So we actually scheduled an induction. So we knew what day he was coming. And, and that was super exciting just to know, okay, tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow we're no longer two, we're now three. Now, I had never held a baby that young. 
ever because I had seen all those things on, on in the movies where the, uh, the the mother delivering is yelling at everybody. Yeah, and she got um, extra strength. She could pick you up with one hand and bench press you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, look, my, my assumptions were not that far off. But uh, <laughs> I, I actually, my father stayed in the room with us. I, I asked her if it was okay if my dad stayed in the room. And I remember this is the same person who said you need to put up this child for adoption. Mm. Um so my dad was in the room with us, which was a really, really cool moment, a really cool bonding moment for us. But um, I didn't, I didn't hold my son for a day and a half because I was scared. I was scared I was going to break him. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to hold him. You know, everyone's, it's the baby so delicate, the baby so delicate, baby so delicate. Well, I was really scared. I didn't cut the umbilical cord. I didn't, I, I did nothing. Um, for a day and a half. And circling back to my father saying, you know, you should put him up for adoption. The relationship between my father and my son to this day is unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, years later, as I got my issue together, my, my dad said, you know, I, that's my one big regret is, is even making that suggestion uh, to, 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 to put them up for adoption. Because first of all, you know, you've done a hell of a job raising these kids. Sure. It was not perfect at all. I mean, I, my second stint, those kids were raised on little Caesars and Seven Eleven chicken nuggets, but, uh, my kids have all turned out fantastic and, and they're great kids. So my dad in the room, uh, during my firstborn was, was really, really cool. Here's your kid growing and, but there's still some kind of friction between you and your ex at this time. If, if I'm not mistaken, what was that like in the home trying to trying to raise that child but try to keep child away your son away from seeing friction yeah that was hell and 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 i can't say that we were successful at keeping him away from from that friction um you know he definitely saw it in and and he talks about it to this day not that it scarred him but you know he, he does talk about it and and you know any time in the future if, if my ex and i talked about getting back together you know he was the first to say nope that's that's not a good idea. It was better for a little bit because we had this this thing that we were doing together. Yeah. But it, then it, it it went south very, very quickly because now she had this. Well, you know, now you're a father. You need to step up and be a man. And what that meant was don't work extra hours it, because I didn't I didn't go out partying. I didn't I didn't do anything like that. I just I worked and I came home to be with them. Yeah. But. I, I was in management. I, you know, sometimes you can't leave on time. Sometimes you, you know, it, it, and and if she had her way, we'd both be two stay-at-home parents um, because she couldn't do it on her own. To why I ended up being a single parent for that first two-year stint is because she mentally couldn't do it alone. And that's no disrespect to her, but you know, she she suffered from mental health before mental health was really recognized. You know, it, it's more recognized today than it was twenty some years ago or 20 years ago, you know, it, she, she's got clinical depression. She, uh, mild bipolar. So she mentally could not handle that child by herself. And none of this you knew um, so, before. Correct. Yeah. She was not diagnosed with any of that until my son was about three years old. You finally hear the diagnosis. And at this point was now the marriage like kaput or was it basically all right we're going to still try to work this we're going to still try to work through this no that's when we uh, decided to get pregnant with a second child ah so now we use the kids to go so we, now we believe a kid is going to fix everything that starts to come into play again get word i'm pregnant what goes to your head at this point mm -hmm. now again so we were actually trying 
So now, now we're married. Um, we're in our mid twenties and, and we think, Oh, we're, we're ready for this. Mm-hmm. And this is going to fix everything because we planned it. Now we've got the two kids, you know, the one boy, one girl, that's the perfect little family and all that with the depression. And, and let me, let me rewind for a second. So she's probably always lived with the depression and all that, but it didn't like the serotonin levels or, or kick out of whack until after she had my son. So like things weren't perfect, but we we would we were only dating for four months when we found out that she was pregnant. So things were still really good. It was after she had my son that that's when things started really coming to the surface. And um and and we didn't understand it. I didn't understand it at the time. She didn't understand it at the time. But it wasn't until you know she was pregnant with my daughter that that's when the diagnosis came. And being pregnant and dealing with all of that at the same time it was it was very difficult it was very very difficult i'm being very open with her and how things how miserable um but she's a fantastic human being we just you know we were young and uh you know weren't a right fit um and and she did go through a lot of issues and and needed to get a lot of things out of her system if you will yeah. uh which goes back to why i was a single parent for 2 years that time and then you know i still had the kids for another five set five to seven years after that so a total of like yeah. nine years yeah. uh where i was they were with me and she recognized she recognizes all the things that we went through back then and how bad it was for for me for for our kids for her yeah it took a lot of time to kind of recognize that put me into that space you are now having a five-year-old and now a newborn at the same time you're trying to help your wife at the time with this this diagnosis the challenge presented to you what was that like that you're trying to be dad and then you're trying to be you're trying to be there for her but what was that challenge like it was extremely difficult and and not only that i'm trying to hold time hold down a full-time job as as a a manager in a theme park Mm. um in orlando the theme park capital of the world the weight of the world was on my shoulders a lot Mm. And, and again i'm 25 years old 26 years old like that in guy years i'm still 15 16 years old you know and i've had to grow up extremely quick you know i wasn't I'm I'm sure I wasn't always perfect. You know, I put a lot of the responsibility in in the problems in the relationship on her, but look, I'm sure I wasn't perfect at all. Um, It was, it was hard, man. It was really, really hard. I'm fortunate enough to, again, have an amazing family and amazing support system uh, that was always there for me, either emotionally, financially, whatever. Uh, But it was tough. You know, I ended up having to, I ended up having to leave SeaWorld because you know, I started calling out a lot. I started missing a lot of work oh, wow. early and the time came for like, she was, she was ready to go back to work and she's like, I don't want to put, I don't want to put the newborn in daycare because of all the horror stories and you know, all that. And I said, okay, well then you're going to have to work because, and she goes, oh, I got a, this great job at, uh, selling cars at a car dealership. And, uh, you know, they sell you this game where, oh, you're going to make all this money, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, go for it. Because if one of us has to stay home, it's not going to be you. Because if I'm at work, you're going to be calling me nonstop and I'm going to end up losing my job. So why don't you work? I'll stay home. We lived in the, and we did, we lived in the ghetto. You know, there there was uh, one Christmas that uh, our Christmas was provided by a local radio station uh, because just we were so financially strapped because... You know, I, I mean, I had a good job, but I wasn't working. Right. So I wasn't getting paid. 
Right. So it, it was it was really, really tough. That was a very, very dark period in my life because no matter what I could, no matter what I did, I couldn't make her happy. Um, I didn't feel like I was everything. I didn't feel like we were everything we could be for for our child or children. You know, I loved working in the theme parks. I loved working in attractions and I wasn't I, I wasn't able to focus on that. I wasn't able to give it give it my all there. It was and 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 then again, I grew up, you know, my 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 parents were 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 comfortable. I wouldn't say we were rich, but we were well off. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to private Catholic school. My sister went to private Catholic school, you know. So to to grow, grow up the way that I grew up in the in the houses that we grew up in in the neighborhood to now living in in the ghetto and i don't know how familiar you or your audience is with Orlando on the corner of orange blossom trail obt that's where all the hookers are mm. uh and kaylee i mean it was it was a very very bad very dangerous situation yeah and the, the stress were there moments that you had those times that like scott is by himself i'm sure you probably woke up sometimes in the middle of the night earlier in the morning whatever and you're driving to work or whichever time you you have some time to yourself were there times that you almost threw in the towel so yeah this is not it i can't do this no more no never um you know for both both the little scope of that question and the big scope i i never ever uh imagined that her and i would split up mm. Uh, because I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put my, my kids through a broken family. I'm not going to do that. And then as far as, you know, the bigger picture, you know, doing anything to harm myself, to uh, eliminate myself from that situation. Nope. You know, it, it's this too shall pass. Uh, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. You know, I've got way too much, way too many people to touch, way too many people to inspire, uh, and way too much to do on this earth than to, um, cut that short yeah uh, by my own doing never once thought about throwing in the towel at all that's what's up man it wasn't until things just got really bad and we just looked at each other and we're like is this how we want to spend the rest of our lives just miserable let's just call it what it is it's it's both of our faults it's nobody's fault this is just not working and, and that's when i finally said okay you know let's let's throw in the towel on the relationship so then here it is you two decide to meckleby spit and go your separate ways Scott, you're now a single dad of two. What's that journey like mm -hmm. in single fatherhood? What was that journey like? As you said, you, your kids was, was eating off of chicken nuggets and little seeds. But honestly, let's go let's go a little deeper into that. This is something that we don't always hear about. That single dadhood. What's that journey like for you being thrusted immediately into that? It's the most difficult thing I've done. And I give so much respect to single parents, especially single moms, because single moms seem to have their together a little bit more than single dads. Not saying that single dads can't do it, but you know, I, I struggled and I gave in a lot, a lot where it was just like, I don't want to deal with this. So I'm giving my kids what they want, you know, as far as I want, I, I don't want to go to bed yet. And I'm like, okay. Because at this time now, I'm working full time. I'm a restaurant manager. So restaurant managers eat to 60 hours a week easily. And, and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from waking up, taking them to school, figuring out if my mom was not available that next weekend, figuring out who's going to watch the kids that weekend. It was exhausting. It was uh, the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. And, and I did it. 
I, I don't give myself enough credit because my kids are fantastic. And, and, and I've got such an amazing relationship uh, with my kids, especially my oldest two, because they're old enough to have this really good relationship with where we can just talk. But at the time, man, I, I was like, I'm barely, I'm barely of water here. You know, there was no social life. There was no dating life. It was, it was work and then take care of my kids. Um, try to get as many free meals for my parents as I possibly could yeah. and make sure that someone was there to watch them uh, on the weekends. As you go through single dadhood during that journey, what did you learn about Scott? Oh, man, I learned that uh, I had to learn how to make myself happy and learn that on the first stint uh, because I was not happy. Um, and, and I felt like the only way that I could be happy is in a relationship, in a, in a partnership, really. It wasn't even so much. I mean, yes, the, the relationship was important because like I'm a dude, too. And, you know, you know, lotion's expensive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look, you said this is raw. You said don't hold back. Uh, so I love it. Back. I love it. So, you know, I, I needed a partner. I needed a a, a mother figure, and uh, and, and and yeah, I needed a relationship, and and that's all I I strive for. You know, my only social life was on my laptop on Match. dot com or or Plenty of Fish or right. eHarmony, trying to you know, find the next mother of my children. And, um, and, and I was, I was, I was definitely depressed. Um, I, you know, I had no hobbies. I, I didn't have time for hobbies. It was, it was my kids and, and work. And, and again, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a depression where, um, you know, I, I needed to be isolated or medicated or anything like that. It, it was definitely something that I could manage, but I wasn't happy. So I, maybe depression is the wrong word, but I just wasn't happy. Yeah. So the first girl that showed me interest, uh, that was it. You know, she moved in a couple days later, you know, then she ended up being the mother of my next child. She she needed a father figure for her daughter. And so it it worked out. It, it worked out. And I think we learned to love each other, maybe. Mm. And uh, I mean, we did. But it was, you know, it was on, based on necessity at first. And then it grew into something. So basically, she came in with her own and you had your own and now let's try to do this Brady Bunch type of thing. What was that like trying to gel two families to blend them together? So at first it was absolutely amazing. You know, they, you know, they're getting home cooked meals every night. Uh, no more little Caesars, no more chicken nuggets, uh, no more whatever I brought home from work. They're getting home cooked meals every night. Uh, there's some structure to the house. To give the rest of this conversation context, her daughter's name is Michaela, and she was two at the time. And my daughter's name is Michaela, and she was three at the time. Wow. So you've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old with the exact same name. Just to bring context to uh, upcoming stories, but man, it was it was great at first. It was it was this great family. It was uh, you know tradition. She worked, but uh, for a while, and then she was stay at home. But she kept the house clean. Uh, which that was another thing that I failed miserably out is it failed miserably at is just housework. Like I didn't have time or energy for that. So my house was constantly a mess. Right. We're washing our clothes for whatever we need for the next like day or two. Uh, and then that's it. It was awful. But um, yeah, so she comes in and it, and it's it's fantastic. It's this happy little family. The girls get along. Um, my son doesn't have to be oh because my son was like a co-parent at five years old. You know, helping me with my daughter. You know, helping maybe put her to bed or or you know whatever. So like he at five years, well six years old, he took on this like parental role ish. Like he didn't discipline my daughter. He wasn't I uh, wasn't an absent father, but. 
he knew that I was exhausted and he was he was there to help me. Yeah, everything was great. And then uh, then I realized that she was crazy and uh, and not 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 really in a mental health way, although that has some of it. Uh, you know, she had a lot of a uh, lot of daddy issues that she didn't uh, she didn't want to spend any time on the couch to discuss. So it manifested into bigger problems. Um, i.e. she couldn't get enough attention from dudes because she didn't get the attention from her dad. It fell apart and then it was great and then it fell apart and it was great. It was definitely a better relationship than my than my first marriage, Um, but it was so unhealthy. Mental abuse, if you will. Um, My my self-esteem definitely took a hit. I know my kids, especially my son did and my daughter, too, because there was always that comparison between the Michaela's and, um, you know, blending families when you have kids on both sides it's hard enough as it is because there's always going to be the my kid your kid but then add that the fact the fact that they're about the same age and that they have the same name so there's constant comparisons in luckily there wasn't a lot of resentment between the girls i mean they fought like sisters and to this day you know we haven't been together in like 10 years but to this day they still consider themselves sisters they call each other all the time so luckily there wasn't any resentment but um you know, my, my son suffered a lot of, uh, of mental abuse from from her and it wasn't intentional. It, it was just, that was quote unquote, her parenting style was to just be really harsh. And and, I, and she took it a little bit too far and, and that created a lot of problems for my son to the point where, you know, at one point he had to be Baker acted because he told some kids at school that he tried to kill himself by strangling, strangling himself with a belt. And I don't know if that was attention, a cry for help, or if it actually happened. Regardless, I'm, I'm super glad that he spoke up, and I'm super glad that whatever friend he told said something to administrators and that the administrators did the right thing uh, because it allowed him to check out for three days and then also get that counseling that he needed to be able to cope with his feelings and to be able to cope with what was going on in his life. And And he's a better human being as a result of it he's not on you know he was on medication for a very small period of time but his depression was more situational and not chemical uh and and he's he's learned how to overcome that and he's a he's a great great kid great guy when your son had to go to counseling for this cry for help basically that he was he was yelling for you're there with him hearing him what did that do did that cause scott to do some introspection at that moment wow uh it it caused all of us to do some reflection now he he tells us in in the hospital and counseling that he, he pretty much puts the puts the blame or the ownership on me and the fact that him and I don't have a very good and and at the time we didn't we didn't have a lot in common it wasn't until he you know got into theater and all that that we're like oh my gosh we have so much in common but feel that connection with me and that's kind of what he talked about with the counselor now after the fact after he was released and when my ex wasn't in the room you know he told me no it's it's all her like you know this is terrible especially after we broke up that's when he really opened up to me that like no this was the um mental abuse that he was getting from her mm. that kind of sent him down that but that was that was the that was the start of the end uh for us because now there's i have a lot of dad guilt i want to tiptoe around him i want things to calm down and she's like well no we're not gonna you know parenting still has to continue and again she had a more aggressive parenting style than i did Uh, But it also caused some problems between her and my family because my family naturally blamed her. Um, It caused problems with me and her mom because 
my family's blaming her and I'm not stepping in and supporting her. It was, it was rough. Yeah. It was very rough. And now you're trying, you're basically in the middle of all this. Well, three different situations, trying to fix up things with your son, patch that up, your family, her, her family, you, and Scott is like in the middle of all this. Scott, how do you mm-hmm. how do you try to pull these three strings together and tie them together and make it work? What did you have to do? That was uh man, so difficult because on one hand, you wanna you wanna live in your four walls and you wanna support your your partner. Um, and then have those private conversations that though I support you, I don't agree with you. But then I also don't want to alienate my family. You know, they were, they, I, I wouldn't have gotten through that first stint as a single parent or, you know, early in my son's life, uh, without them. And so I didn't want to alienate them, but I did. And, and I, and I chose her not only over my family, but over my kids, man, I regret it so much, but Again, I have a great family and I'm I'm so super close with my family now. And and my 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 wife now and my sister, they're like best friends. They're like sisters. And and so I've been able to really rekindle those relationships with my family. But you know, it was really, really tough. You know, I didn't I, I was invited to my dad's wedding, but I wasn't invited to rehearsal dinner because with my ex and they didn't they didn't want her there. She decided to split. Um, I just didn't know about it yet. You know, she uh, had another dude. And then about uh, tender, we get back together, um, which was awful. Uh, But again, I didn't want to be alone. I wasn't ready to be a single parent again. Right. And then and that did not that lasted for less than a year. And the final straw on that and the final like, I got to get out of this was she looks at me one day and she says, you know, I could see myself spending the rest of my life with you, but I couldn't promise that I wouldn't sleep with the pool boy. Holy crap. Yeah. Kudos to her honesty for saying that, yeah. look, I love you, but I'm going to cheat on you. And and it wouldn't have been the first time. Uh, but when, when, when those words came out of her mouth, it was just kind of like, what the hell am I doing? She's, my kids are miserable. Put me to that part. When, when she came back into your life, your son, What's his reaction to this now? I mean, my son was not happy about it. My ex-wife was not happy about it. It took my ex-wife and I six years to actually I'm friends and to get along. And a lot of it was because of, you know, my youngest mom, my second baby, baby mama number two. That really held back the relationship. But no, no, nobody was happy. Nobody was happy with me. Nobody was happy with what I was doing. And and, and look, you know, like I was telling you the other day, rose colored glasses or or not wanting to be alone so many different things led me down the you know let's just being in this relationship is better than not now you're right back to being single dad stint again yeah what did you learn going on the journey of single dadhood part two i definitely started to learn how to make myself happy uh now again i was still uh, like uh, my you know little caesar's pizza every other night my son to this day will not eat little caesar's pizza because it was hot and ready five bucks you know this is what they're eating now the dynamics was a little bit uh, the dynamics were a little bit different this time so now i have my son who is at the time 13 14 15 something like that and then my young who's like uh two or three so much different age gap and he's able to help me out a little bit more to the to where I could have a little bit of a balance, a little bit of a social life, because he was old enough that, you know, he could watch the little one more when she was like three, you know, but it was a little bit easier to kind of have balance. Um, but I definitely learned how to make myself happy 
and how to just balance my life a little bit more and not be so dependent finding that partner so your son had to play a parental role again the effects that it started to have on your relationship between the two of you yes and no i always felt bad i always felt bad kind of having him help me uh, but i also knew that i needed it but i felt like there was a lot of balance there he did have his own life you know he was involved in in uh, the drama drama club at school uh, he had his own friends. There was definitely a balance there. So I, I, did it frustrate him? Yeah, I, I'm sure it did. But he also he also kind of knew. He also kind of knew that like we were in this together. And I think in the back of his head, he was kind of like, if I don't help, then there's a possibility he could get back together with the ex. And he didn't want that. And I don't know, we haven't really had that conversation, but but I would guess that would have been his motivation behind being as involved as he was with single dadhood now trying to get to this dynamic this this fixing of a dynamic with your son you said that earlier that your dad was like yo this kid has to go up to adoption but also your relationship with him is kind of take me to when your relationship with your son starts to come into play just right and then when did your dad start to change his mind and like i'm glad you didn't listen to my advice i'm sure the second that my son was born <laughs> you know he, he was glad that he that i didn't take his advice you know my, my dad got to spend a lot of time with my son uh just you know growing up and then especially into his teenage years and, and my son is just such a neat kid good kid he's, he's a pain in the ass but i love him and he's a, he's a good kid so I, you know, they just they just bonded, and uh, you know, it was it was a couple of years ago. It was it was recently, like within the last two three years, that when he finally said, you know, I'm I'm so glad you didn't take my advice. And I'm like, well, yeah, me too. He's such a good kid. Now, m my relationship with my father, especially when I was with my youngest mom, was awful. You know, she did some things to completely disrespect the family, and. And again, uh, and I hey, look, I did things to disrespect my family as well. You know, they were always there for me. And I, I just kind of I'm putting this woman ahead of everything else. And my dad and I are great now, but we're not where we could have been had none of that gone down. We're fantastic, yeah. but we're not as close as I, you know, we're not as close as my mom and I are. Uh, we're not as close as my sister and I are. We're not. Uh, and then we're not as close as my sister and my dad are. Mm. Um, we're close. But where where it was in that he's my you know he's my, I mean he was my best man at my at my wedding with my with my wife so we're in a yeah. very very good place but I look at it as it's in a good place compared to where we were it could be a lot better. You mentioned this term earlier, dad guilt, that you received from your son, and that's a term I've heard before. That the guilt that some parents will get from their kids, like when they get older, they're like, yo because of you this happened because of this this is how i turned out the way I, I am how did you deal with that what was that like fighting through that that dross of dad guilt you never said anything that would lead to dad guilt but my son definitely played to it and it was you know so long ago i can't i can't give you an example but you know he 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 definitely like would give me that look and, and a lot of it, look, a lot of it was probably self-imposed where I put it on myself and I was like, I've got to make up for all this, uh, all this crap I put him through. I didn't discipline him. And again, he's older, you know, it's not like, okay, you're going to get spankings for, you know, not cleaning up your room or talking back. It wasn't stuff like that, but it was stuff with school. You know, I didn't, I wasn't checking his homework. I wasn't, 
I wasn't grounding him for, for poor grades or for lying or stuff like that. Like the important things that I should be focusing on when he's a teenager, but also he was a good kid too. He's, he's the typical, like my kids are going to make me drink. He was a good kid. Like he wasn't getting into drugs. He wasn't hanging out with the wrong crowd. He was making poor decisions when it came to school, but he wasn't making poor decisions as far as things that would put him or his life at risk Yeah, or, or get him into serious trouble. If you know what I'm saying, right. he wasn't focusing in school and, 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 come to find out by the time it's a senior year like he was in jeopardy of not graduating now we didn't know that because he created fake transcripts <laughs> and uh, i mean it was brilliant and we laugh about it now but not really but you know this was one of the things that because i wasn't really hard on him you know he thought he could get away with it, and he did for a while so they put him into like virtual school and this is before virtual school was like a big thing and he does so well in that, that they're like, you know what? We're going to give you great forgiveness, opportunity to make up all of the classes that you failed. So the kid ends up finishing high school with like a 4.0 GPA because they put him in this test pilot program. He's the luckiest kid ever. And then, um, you know, again, I, I wasn't hard on him with applying for scholarships. You know, I was just like, okay, we'll just do it. But again, I, I felt bad getting on him for stuff. So my, my wife now, she, you know, she doesn't have any parent, parent guilt. She's like, no, you need to do these scholarships to, you know, don't do that. Like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Didn't apply for a single scholarship. Well, this lucky punk starts, starts school and gets a full drama scholarship, which I didn't even know that those existed, but he gets a full drama scholarship. Although now come to think about it, it maybe that was a lie too. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, then he uh, he doesn't tell us that he dropped out of school. You know, he's uh, he's working full time at Universal, which that's a funny story, too. He's working part time at SeaWorld, part time at Universal, offering full time at Universal. I'm like, no, dude, don't do that. Stay part time at both. Go to school. Do part time at both. Like balance. And he says, no, 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 I'm going to go full time at Universal. So I'm going to quit SeaWorld. I'm like, OK, whatever. It's a mistake. A month later, the world shuts down for the pandemic and all the part time employees at both places get laid off. Uh, he's full time. So he gets paid for the entire closure during the pandemic. They call wow. it coronacation. I mean, this kid's the luckiest kid in the world. God bless I don't know him. how I tangented there, but it, you know, it's just it, it, these, these little things that he did that he kind of got away. I wasn't hard on him uh, when I should have been because of that parent guilt. So when did you finally come to that space where you had to deal with that parental guilt? My current wife, who who I said it earlier, is one miracle away from sainthood. She's uh, she's the best human being alive. Um, but when she when when we started when, when I noticed that it was causing problems in our relationship. Now again, I wasn't I was never going to put a relationship over my kids. Ever I used to do that, and I haven't. You know, it, it it was causing some problems with us because she was trying to be a good parent and and kind of lay the smack down, if you will. I pushed back a little bit like no i think that's too raw or i think it's too harsh i think it's too harsh when i noticed it causing not problems but little spats between the two of us that's what kind of made me take a step back and and, and realize that you know what i this parent guilt has been going on far and uh, you know long, long enough and and i'll never be able to make up the, you know i can, we can't get the time back and i can't go back in time and, and change all that nor would i because it shaped us to who we are now but all of that's in the past and since then and especially since i met my wife now like my kids have a completely different life than they did back then i mean you know we we we, we live in this nice seven bedroom house you know they the kids have everything they want you know we have annual passes to the theme parks we do family days it is the environment that i grew up in yeah. and and now my kids have that 
So I've 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 done my time. I've and and I've they've gotten what they, they what they needed to get out of me from from that parent guilt, and and now it's time to kind of move on. And uh, of course, it was rough because there was some pushback from him. And of course, he I could tell he was thinking about using that card, but he knew that that card had been played, and it it was over. The words you would give to any dad, single dad, newbie dad, OG dad, what words would you give to them? First of all, put yourself first. And I know that a lot of people are like, no, 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 you got to put your kids first. You absolutely do need to put your kids first. But if you cannot take care of yourself, if you can't, if you are not happy, if you are not taking care of mental health, then you cannot take care of your kids. So however that looks, whether it's it's going to counseling and, you know, though I said, look, I, I didn't have any clinical depression, I didn't need to be on medication, but I could have damn well used some counseling and I could have damn well used some, some, some therapy to kind of deal with the things that I was dealing with so that I can get over those hurdles to be a better parent. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your kids. Now, I'm not saying put yourself over your kids and, you know, go out and, and put months ahead of them. I'm just saying take care of yourself. Uh, and, and then the, the rest will kind of come and, and balance, man. I, I, I tell people all the time uh, at work and, and look, I take my job very seriously. I love my job, but it's it's all about balance. You have one life to live. Uh, and we're on this earth, if we're lucky, for 80, 80, 90 years. Um, and most of that is spent working. Balance your time. Balance. Have time for yourself. Have time for your kids. Have time for your family. Have time for fun. Have time for, you know, your hobbies. Have time for, if you're, if you're religious, have time for God. Have time for work. Have time for friends. You got to have balance. I, I read a great book by a gentleman named Johnny Lavera. He actually was a, a Giovanni the Clown when I was five years old. He did kids' birthday parties. And then he was uh, one of the magicians for the Orlando Magic when, when they had magicians at the games. But anyway, he wrote this book, How to Live a Thousand Years and Have the Time of Your Life. You're the time of your life. So it's how to live a thousand years and, and have the time of your life. And what it was is about these 12 chimes. And if you think about a clock having you know, 12, 12 ticks. And that's where the time for fun, time for time for family, time for self, time, that's each one was a chime. And, and reading that book kind of described how to achieve that balance. And balance is the most important thing in life. Balance in your life will take care of everything. You'll be able to focus on relationships and have positive and healthy relationships with your kids, with your parents, with your family, with your siblings, with your friends, with your spouse, whatever. Scott, why do you keep your towel in fatherhood as much as their pains and signs man i i love those kids i love those kids so much the best christmas gift that anybody could ever get me is something to do with my kids you know my my dad made it took a picture of me and my kids and put it in one of those like crystal things those like 3d images and i and i lost my mind my my kids make me the little handprint canvas and you know this is recently so you know my kids 2016 9 um, the handprint thing. And, and I sang, uh, it's a song by Phil Collins. It was in Tarzan. You'll be in my heart. I sang that to each one of my kids as I was putting them to bed. So they, they made me this handprint thing and it says, just take my hand, hold it tight, which is a lyric from that, that song. So, you know, it's little things like that. When they, when they, when they, when they look at you the way that they look at you, and again, my kids are older, you know, except for my nine-year-old. And, and even though they don't always love what I have to say, and they look at you and you're their hero, um, despite despite the mistakes that you had or that you made, 
uh, and and despite what you put them through, um, they, you know, it, it, it's I'm their father, and I don't have that father, and uh, and I'm fortunate enough to be a father, and I'm fortunate enough that my kids have a father. Well, folks. There you have it. You just heard Scott's reason for why he keeps his towel in his journey of fatherhood. Hopefully that gives you some type of motivation and inspiration to do the same. And as he said, balance, balance, balance is key. And finding true happiness, it's work. And yes, you're going to make some decisions, some wrong mistakes. But you know what? It's all about have you learned from those decisions and mistakes. Yo, Scott. Congratulations, man. You have survived Boogie's Gym, and this sparring session is officially joining me. It is a pleasure to have you with me. Yo, folks, as you just heard it there. Scott, if you have any information, your podcast, your social media information, my man, the floor is yours. Let the folks know about it. Yeah, thank you very much. Check us out. It's the No New Friends podcast. It's the podcast for adults who like to laugh at adulting. Uh, new new episodes release every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're on all streaming platforms. That's iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Check out our website, newfriendspodcast.com, and we're on all social media. Our links are right there. Yeah, folks, so I'm going to make sure I put all the social media links and social media information in the description box so you'll be able to go ahead and check him out. I promise you, folks, you want to definitely check out the No New Friends podcast. The joint is hilarious to hear these people talk about some incredible journeys and some adventures they're on. It's incredible. But, yes, yeah, Scott, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for just sharing your story of fatherhood and just being honest with us man thank you so much thank you so much for having me man it's been a blast so once again y'all thank you thank you thank you for joining me fathers thank you so much for joining me this is your man aunt boogie and as i always tell you wipe the blood wipe the sweat wipe the tears but whatever you do don't throw in your towel i will check you when i check you i will see you when i see you happy father's day to all you incredible fathers out there to my newbies and ogs we are out of here peace